Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Grammar Girl here. This week, I have a quick and dirty tip about how to use the word first. A piece by Sael Graves about starting a sentence with the word so. And a tidbit about synecdoche. I'm going to tell you what that means. Now for our quick and dirty tip. Are you using the word first properly? This excerpt from the book Word Workout will help you get it right. A headline in the New York Times book review refers to, quote, the novelist who first conceived of cyberspace, unquote. And a story in the Boston Globe says that, quote, when Southwest first announced it would fly to Boston from Baltimore for $49 each way, JetBlue added another route there, too, unquote. And a reporter on NPR's All Things Considered says, quote, when Holder was first appointed over a year ago, unquote. Did you catch the recurring error in these three citations? The problem is a misuse of the word first. When it's understood from the context that something is being done for the first time, or when the verb in the context means doing something for the first time, the word first is redundant. To conceive means to imagine for the first time, to form an idea before anyone else has done so. Thus, the book review's headline should read, The Novelist Who Conceived of Cyberspace. Likewise, to announce means to make known or make public, which happens only once, so the Boston Globe's copy editor should have changed when Southwest first announced it would fly to when Southwest announced it would fly. And unless you're appointed to a position, then resign and are reappointed to it, you're appointed only once. So the NPR reporter should have said when Holder was appointed over a year ago, not first appointed. First is superfluous when it's paired with a verb, such as start, begin, create, invent, introduce, learn, discover, and arrive. That means doing something for the first time as in this sentence from the San Diego Union Tribune. Quote, It's been a hundred years since Edgar Rice Burroughs first introduced his accidental space traveler, John Carter, to readers. Unquote. Most of the time, deleting first will fix the problem. But sometimes the sentence has to be revised. For example, in The Know-It-All, A.J. Jacobs writes, Machine guns, when they were first invented, got so hot they had to be cooled by water. Make that, when machine guns were invented, they got so hot they had to be cooled by water. Or, the first machine guns got so hot they had to be cooled by water. And that was your quick and dirty tip from the book Word Workout by Charles Harrington Elster. Be careful when you use the word first. It's redundant more often than you may have thought. Next, we have our meaty middle, a piece by Sael Graves on starting sentences with the word so. Readers often write in to complain about starting a sentence with so, even suggesting that it sounds condescending. Anand Gerdardis of the New York Times agrees that there can be a, quote, logical tinge to so 
Compared to well and um, starting a sentence with so uses the whiff of logic to relay authority, unquote. The Telegraph informally confirms this feeling, too, claiming that it may sometimes, quote, send the wrong message. It could alienate colleagues who believe they're being spoken down to when they hear it, unquote. One inquirer on the English Language and Usage site asks, quote, am I the only one who finds it annoying, unquote? Not all types of so raise objections. So let's look at some of the different roles this little word can play. When it's not at the beginning of a sentence or clause, it's often used as an adverb that modifies or intensifies an adjective with a meaning similar to the adverb very, like this. Babies are so cute. This usage is very common in informal speech, but some style guides and editors do also complain about this type of so. Next, let's look at some uncontroversial uses of so and take a closer look at some types that appear at the beginning of a clause. One of the most common and undisputed ways we hear and think of so is as a coordinating conjunction, like this. I love grammar, so I do research on it and write about it. The conjunction so in this compound sentence implies that the first part, I love grammar, is the cause of the second part. I do research on it and write about it. In addition, it prevents a comma splice. It's also common to see so used for the same purpose, but at the beginning of a sentence, meaning that the comma from our last example is replaced with a period like this. I love grammar, period. So, comma, I research and write about it. In that sentence, so is a conjunctive adverb. One way to understand why this one is a type of an adverb is to see that it modifies the whole sentence that follows it, as adverbs often do. It's also synonymous with the word therefore, and the less common ergo. These conjunctive adverbs are often called transitions in formal writing classes. These types of adverbs at the beginning of a sentence, also sometimes called modifiers, must be followed by a comma. Even when conjunctive adverbs occur in the middle of a sentence, which some can, they must be offset by commas, like this. I did finally learn to ride a bike, comma, however, comma, when I was 10 years old. Further, even though this so is at the beginning of a sentence, it's not the type that peeves people. All of these conjunctive adverbs are, however, considered what linguists call discourse markers. We can think of the word discourse as referring to any dialogue or conversation. Another example of sentence initial so as a discourse marker, and also not an annoying kind, is this one. So, how have you been? Notice how it doesn't show that the sentence following the so is caused by something that came earlier. And in fact, it could be the first thing spoken to someone who just entered the room. Or it could be a way of changing the subject mid-conversation. That shows us more about why the so is called a discourse marker. It's something a speaker can use in conversation to refer to information that both speakers have. In this example, we'd need context to know what the so is being used for. Now we know that discourse markers connect ideas together in a conversational way and that usually the listener understands what the speaker means 
by knowing the context of the conversation. Other discourse markers are words like well, still, anyway, and besides, mostly when they come at the beginning of a sentence. They can be conjunctions, adverbs, and prepositional phrases, and they serve to express various sentiments to the listener without actually contributing anything grammatical to the sentence. If discourse markers are left out, the speaker might sound a little less natural, but the sentence would still make sense. Here's an example with discourse marker, well. How are you, Jill? Well, Jack, I've been a little sick. By starting with well, Jill's trying to form a personal connection to Jack, and maybe even trying to show that she understands that he's likely expecting a positive update. The well can serve to signal that Jill's delivering unexpected news. The specific meaning depends on the context of the conversation. Getting back to our discourse marker, so, another way people use it is to find out if earlier information has been understood correctly, like this. So, too much vitamin A can actually be harmful? Yet another use is to summarize information mentioned earlier in the discourse, like this. So that's how the game is played. A final example on this non-exhaustive list is one that linguist Galena Bolden has pointed out. We can use so to return to a topic that was brought up earlier in the discourse, from which speakers got distracted, like this. Jill, I got a job interview today. Oh, and my cousin is visiting next week. She's really excited. Jack, so tell me about the interview. As you can see, discourse markers serve a wide array of purposes, which speakers use and understand without even thinking about it. And as we've seen, when people start a sentence with so, it might be interpreted as authoritative to some listeners. This is also true when people reply to a question by starting with so. However, that type actually serves a very specific purpose, which changes a bit with the question type. For example, a yes-no question is one that gets a yes or no as an answer, like, are you okay? A WH question, on the other hand, a question that uses an interrogative pronoun like what, why, and when, requires something more than just a yes or a no. For example, what did you eat? Steak. Or where did you go? To Martinique. A speaker may unconsciously start the answer to a question with so when he or she has a maybe answer to a yes or no question. Like this, Jack, do your classes meet on Saturdays? Jill, so the French class meets on Monday and Wednesday, but the writing class meets on Saturday, yes. Or people may start with so when they have a complicated answer to a WH question, like this, Jill, what did you eat? Jack, so, at first I ordered the steak, but I sent it back because it wasn't good, and I wound up having the salmon. These types of examples are commonly heard in the speech of many English speakers, indicating that discourse markers so may be gaining in popularity over its alternatives, like well or oh. It may express greater nuance and may continue to gain acceptance over time. What is important is that speakers who use this construction are rarely being off-putting on purpose, and not everyone experiences it negatively. Speech host Denise Graveline, for example, blogs that this so can be used to express empathy with the listener, and to indicate that whatever's coming next 
it's relevant to the asker's question. A Dictionary.com language blogger concurs that using so in this way serves to engage the listener. Plus, sometimes people start with so merely to gain some thinking time or to show hesitation, a bit like using um or uh, which linguists call fillers. It may be better to listen to the speaker's tone or notice people's facial expressions and other non-linguistic signals before you decide whether they mean to be condescending. In case you're wondering whether the annoying kind of so at the beginning of a sentence is new, it's hard to say for sure. Gerdardus writes that the origins of using the word so to start sentences are widely believed to have begun in Silicon Valley among computer programmers. Yet he also cites an example written by Chaucer hundreds of years ago. Further, linguist Mark Liberman shows extensive data that those who believe that this is a new phenomenon are actually being fooled by the recency illusion. His usage graphs show little change in the rate of sentence initial so in more than a hundred years. In conclusion, the use of so to start a sentence or a question reply strikes some people as odd and sometimes carries negative connotations. But people use it spontaneously in speech all the time, making it likely to slowly gain acceptance as people hear it more. There's no logical reason to avoid starting sentences with so, but it's good to know that stylistically, some formal writers or public speakers may advise against it. Anyone concerned about it can easily avoid it when producing edited writing. For example, it didn't appear once in this entire article. That was your meaty middle, and it was written by Sile Graves, a linguist and professor at the City University of New York at LaGuardia Community College. Finally, our tidbit this week is from my book, The Grammar Devotional. It's like a tip-a-day calendar, but in book form, so you don't have to throw away the pages. And it's available as a print book and an ebook. What the heck is synecdoche? And yes, I did have to look up how to pronounce it. Synecdoche is a specific type of metaphor in which you use part of something to describe all of it. For example, calling a credit card plastic, calling sailors hands, and calling hungry people mouths to feed. Or it's when you use all of something to describe part of it. For example, saying use your head when you mean use your brain to think. You find synecdoche when a poet fixates on a physical characteristic of a subject, such as his or her eyes or lips. And in literature, when one character will refer to another by a nickname that highlights some part of his or her body. For example, here comes the mouth again. Can't we make him stop talking? And that was your tidbit from my book, The Grammar Devotional. Synecdoche is a figure of speech in which you use the whole to describe the part or the part to describe the whole. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find all my tips at quickanddirtytips.com. And you can find all seven of my books about language at your favorite bookstore. Thank you also to the many of you who sent kind comments last week. I, I really appreciated it. This episode was recorded in the studios at the Reynolds School of Journalism at the University of Nevada, where I'm a professor. And the podcast is produced in partnership with Macmillan Holdings. That's all. Thanks for listening. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. 
Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.